This is the place to talk about everything related to the home, buying or selling real estate, financing and improvements that can help increase your home's value. This is Minnesota Home Talk on Score North. Here's your host, Jason Walgrave. Hey, good morning, Twin Cities. You are listening to Minnesota Home Talk here, 1500 ESPN. We're here every Saturday, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m., talking mortgages, real estate, home insurance, credit repair, anything and everything dealing with your house. That's what we're here for. We, uh, we'd like to take your calls and questions live on air, uh, and there's a couple ways you can do that. We have phone line open. That number is 651 651- Six four seven two nine one zero. So you can call in at any time during the show. We're going to answer your question live on air. Uh, any question this morning is going to get you in the running for the tickets. We got a pair of Timberwolves tickets to give away. So the best question of the morning is going to win that pair of Timberwolves tickets. You can also text us at six one two two three four seventy five eighty five. So again, that text number is six one two two three four seventy five eighty five. If it's a little too early for you, haven't had your coffee yet, you can text in your question. That also gets you in the running for the Timberwolves tickets. So again, the phone line, 651-647-2910. And that text line, 612-234-7585. If it's your first time catching us, welcome. Uh, Appreciate you listening to us. You can also catch us uh, on Facebook Live. And, uh, Evan, what else do we stream to? Facebook Live. And YouTube. And the we have YouTube. A YouTube page. What about Twitch? No. <laughs> no Twitch? Not yet. No. <laughs> no MySpace? No. LinkedIn? No. Okay. Tick the TikTok? No. <laughs> what else? Instagram? No. There are so many social media platforms oh, now. How do you even keep up? It's very difficult. Like, I, I, like, I would like to see someone like what their day looks like the someone who's like addicted to the social media and they live where they have an account like every type that's out there they have an account like how much time how much time are you spending in your day just hours easily through there doing stuff right yep. it's got to be right mm-hmm. i mean i don't even have i mean, i don't even have tiktok i don't have i mean i don't even i got like one i got like facebook yeah i just use facebook facebook yeah. youtube yeah just keep it simple what do you got evan I have all of them. You have all of them? No, I don't. I don't have a TikTok. No? Nah. You're not doing your dance videos? I thought you used to do dance videos and stuff on the TikTok. I did, but I just didn't make enough money. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So we are here. Uh, we're here answering your questions live. Anything and everything dealing with mortgages, real estate, credit repair, um, definitely feel free to reach out to us at any time during the show, and we'll get your questions answered, and uh, we'll get you in the running for... The T-Wolves tickets. In studio with me this morning, Mr. Jared Havens with Credit Life. Good morning. Local credit repair company here in Burnsville, Minnesota. Yep. Um, no stranger to the show. Jared has been on the show many a times, giving us lots of great tips on mainly credit stuff, but also talking about how credit affects dang near everything in your life, mm-hmm. right? You go to get a job, you're getting your credit pulled. Obviously, if you're going to buy a house, getting your credit pulled. Any sort of financing, insurance, credit, credit works. All that insurance, Evan will tell you. Yep. True. Credit plays it uh, plays a factor in how much your insurance is going to run you. Um, it literally almost like runs our lives, big time. It really. I compared a lot to fitness industry. 
You know, because like many, many years ago, remember, like a lot of times, like clubs and the 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 the, the thoughts of like personal trainers and nutritionists and all these different things. It was almost like you know some people would do it, take advantage of it, but it was like a booming industry, so to speak. Right? It took a while for people to catch on and realize, well, this is actually extremely important. We should be doing all these things, right? Right. Credit's very similar. You know, credit for the longest time was you know, we've had a lot of clients, but over the years we've seen credit. I mean, if you look at like. All these different companies like Discover and Capital One and Credit Karma and Experian, just constantly like you'll notice for the past few years, like they've really ramped up the overall like messaging around credit and the importance of credit. And it just shows you like it's it's it really is that important. And it's something that, you know, people have to pay much more, you know, close attention to. They really do. It's very, very important. Absolutely. It's also confusing. Mm-hmm. Right. Credit, it's crazy because we talk about it all the time. Credit, what what's common, common sense and credit isn't common, I think was the quote that I heard the other day. Meaning that what you think would help your credit out actually can sometimes hurt your credit. Yep. And what you think would hurt your credit can actually be the best thing to do for your credit. And everyone's credit profile is like a fingerprint, right? Yep. There is no one size fits all type of solution or situation out there. It truly, there's a bunch of different factors, and unless you know how the scoring model works, I mean, it's like throwing darts at a dartboard, right? Exactly. It's like you have no idea what you're doing. You're just going to throw something out there to see if it works. That's where you guys come in. Yep, exactly. I mean, and it's so powerful, too, and it's really, it's just very positive. Like, you guys know I've been doing this for like 12 years now. I wake up excited. You know, even this morning I told you I was up before the alarm just to be on the show to talk about this. Like, I get really excited about it. But it's really empowering, like, when someone really takes, like, a and invests in themselves to take their credit seriously, regardless of their starting point, whether they're in poor, fair, good credit, because you can always improve. But when someone really, you know, dives into that and they understand, like, the, the power that it has for them, the amount of savings that they'll experience, the amount of opportunity that they'll experience, just overall peace of mind, you know, we all because we, we understand, like, finances and financial stress is probably one of the worst stressors out there. I mean, it causes a lot of problems. So when you when you start to really hone in on your credit and to improve your overall financial well-being, it has a positive impact on your life as well. So those are the things that get really I get excited about is helping people not only achieve their goals and their dreams, but just see the impact that it has in their overall lifestyle as well. Yeah, it's 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 so funny how credit works. You know, I I can kind of compare it to um, people selling their house in 2020 and 2021, where it almost seems like you couldn't do anything wrong. You know, your house might be worth four hundred thousand. Let's list it at five hundred, and you might have got an offer at five hundred, mm-hmm. right? It's one of those things. the The problem there is on on the credit side of things, you you can do things wrong. You can hurt yourself. Just like a, a seller that wants to shoot for too high of a number on their house. Look, if you go out there and you overlist your house, you're not going to get any activity on it. Yep. And you're probably going to net less for your house at that point because you have to do price drops. And people are like, well, they're doing a price drop. Is there something wrong with it? You know what I mean? That gets yep. their wheels turning of like, what's wrong with this thing? You know, why hasn't it sold yet? Um, and so that's when you get start getting lowball offers. So there is a way to do that wrong. Obviously, there's a way to do credit wrong, too. Oh, there's many ways. I mean, that's we're definitely going into that a lot of the show. It's like there's so many ways that you can you can take actions that would actually negatively impact you where you're thinking you're doing the right decision, you know? And so it's going to be really exciting as we're going through that because I want to, you know, on the show today, I want people to walk away with like some actionable items that they can do that they could really put into play today. And over the course of the few weeks to like a month, you'll see the positive impact that it'll have on your credit. So it's going to be really exciting. 
So we got a lot to talk about today. We're definitely going to cover all that here in a little bit. Uh, phone lines are open, so give, give us a call, 651-647-2910. That is the call-in number. Uh, the text line is 612-234-7585. We're going to give a pair of Timberwolves tickets away to the best question of the morning here. Uh, and we're going to answer your questions live. All right, so we're going to, let's see here, what do we got? We got some hot listings we're going to cover. Uh, and then we're going to circle back and we're going to talk a little bit more on the credit side of things. And we're going to talk about interest rates, too, and what happened this week with interest rates. Why don't we start with that? Because I'm not quite ready for hot listings. I have to take we can care talk of about rates, absolutely. So Thursday was a very exciting day, let's say, in the mortgage industry. When I say exciting, that just means that there was a lot of movement on stuff and it ended up being a very busy day for a lot of, a lot of loan officers out there. So what happened on Thursday is the CPI uh, the CPI report came out. So CPI is Consumer Price Index. Mm-hmm. It's a measure that we use to check inflation. So it really just looks at consumer goods, gas, groceries, you know, just your everyday stuff that you're buying. What's the price on those? Is it going up? Is it going down? That type of deal. Um, there's always um, predictions of where it's going to be at. And so the where it actually came in at was underneath the prediction meaning that the cost of those goods was actually less than what was expected. So being that that's a measure of inflation, that would kind of allude to that inflation is coming down versus going up. And whenever that happens, that's good for interest rates. Oh, that's good. Okay. So our 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 interest rates move 217 basis points in a day, right? Probably doesn't mean anything to you guys. You're probably like, what the heck does that mean? Like a typical daily movement for for basis points is anywhere between like, let's just say, you know, fifteen and twenty five, right? So that would be like a typical day. So if you're outside of that, if you move like forty bips in a day, it's a pretty big movement. Fifty bips in a day, pretty big movement. We move two hundred seventeen bips for the better in one day. Wow! Which means that interest rates dropped three eighths to a half a percent in one, one day. day, right? Yep, which is crazy. Like, yeah. how does like how does a thirty year fixed interest rate move that quickly? So that was Thursday, right? So that's what happened on Thursday because of that one report that came out, which no one was expecting, right? Everyone is expecting that. Okay, you know, inflation is still, you know, it's not going like this, but it's still ramping up a little bit, you know, and we're there. The Feds are doing what they can to kind of offset that, but it came in lower. Then all of a sudden. Poof, Oh, I'm sure everyone was busy. Lock in your rates. Lock in your rate. Well, pretty much everyone else, pretty much everyone was locked already. Oh, okay. Right? Because interest rates are just creeping up, creeping up, creeping up. It's like as soon as we get a purchase agreement, let's lock our rate because it's creeping up. And I imagine you're doing like more extended locks lately too, right? Right. Is that really common? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so everyone's locking. Like as soon as we can lock, we want to lock because interest rates are floating up. Then all of a sudden, boom, you get the one day whammy and it comes down. And so then it's like, all right, can we reverse this lock and can we take advantage of that? Right? So that's that's what happened on Thursday. So, which is good news. We'll take it. Yeah. Right? We'll definitely take oh, it. definitely. We got interest rates sitting in the, you know, the low sixes roughly right now for a 30-year fixed. Um, you know, just last week at this time, we were sitting in, you know, high sixes to low sevens. Yeah. No, I, I, I love the reports that you send out. 
Yeah, uh, I, I monitor those as you send those in, like just to kind of monitor where interest rates are at. Just because, you know, I think it's important for all the listeners to know too. Like when you go online, and you Google what's interest rates at today. A lot of times, those interest rates are very misleading as to how they're pricing those interest rates. Like what what it means to actually acquire that interest rate. Right. Whereas like what you send out is going to be more realistic to the standard consumer. Right. So it's like, I think that's this being on top of it and understanding where things are at is so important. And uh, that's a that's a huge shift. I mean that's a huge shift. If you're if you only see like 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 fifteen and you saw two hundred, right? I mean that's massive, right? I mean we haven't seen that type of movement in one day since like COVID first was here, yeah, right? And the financial markets are like, what's what's this pandemic going to do to everything? Yep, in the entire world, right? Yep. No one knows what's going on, so it's like, you know, one little you know whisper of something like this, all of a sudden it's like, pew, you know, and then you get something and it's boom. And COVID was, COVID is weird. I mean I remember I called a guy. Uh, I called a guy and I said, look, your your interest rate right now, this is at like nine in the morning. Your interest rate right now is at four and a half percent. He's like, well, let's let's let it ride. Let's see what happens. You know, let's see what happens throughout the day here. So I called him at four thirty that day and I said, you're not going to believe this, but your your interest rate is now three and a half percent. It literally went down a full percent in one day because that's how crazy yep. the financial markets didn't know how to react or predict or do anything because. Weird, we've never had a COVID yeah. outbreak yeah. pandemic before. Yep. Right. So, outside of Thursday of this week, we have to go all the way back to when COVID was first here to see those types of swings on a daily movement. Yep. It's just crazy to me. It's been a wild ride, even this year. I mean, the beginning of this year, when you saw everything creeping up, you know, we've seen the shift in the market. I mean, it, it really happened quickly, mm-hmm. you know. And, so, and then on top of that, I mean, what happened here recently is really good. That's positive news, you know, just because, you know, a lot of time, you know, a lot of people, I'd say, are on the sidelines. Like we were talking about this morning, a lot of people are on the sidelines right now because they've seen the interest rates go up. They're, they're, un, they're not sure about the market. And so when these type of changes happen that are for the positive, you know, I think that's a really good thing because that's going to let people like start looking at, okay, now that's a number I can deal with a little bit more. Let's look into this option now. Yeah. Yeah. The world's not ending. Yeah. You know what I mean? The world's not ending. Everything is fine. And we knew this was going to, we didn't, we didn't know like we'd have a big one day movement like this. My, my thought was we're kind of topped out where interest rates are at. You know, we were sitting, we actually got up to about a seven and a half on a 30 year fixed, um, I figured that was going to be kind of our top. We're kind of going to just hold there for a little bit, and then it's going to do one of these where it's going to start coming down. Um, it's great that we had a big day like that. Mm-hmm. More than likely, I mean, when you have any sort of major swing in that, it probably early adjust. next week, we're probably going to lose half of that. Yeah. Right? But you're still talking 100 basis points in a day Yep. You know, at the net. So if you take the 217 that we gained, if we lose 100 of it on Monday and Tuesday, you're still 117 basis points up. You know, which is a good thing. So, that means lower interest rates for all. Lower, lower interest rates. That's 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 the message. Like you know, I always push this. You guys know, it's like if there's anyone that's been sitting on the sidelines, it's like now is the time. Like really look into this option, especially with the interest rate change. Like understand what it really means. You know, because a lot of times too, the messaging out there is. I would say almost like leads by fear a lot of times, you know what I mean? Like people, I don't know, if, you know, I don't want to get into politics or anything like that, but like a lot of messaging creates fear and inaction, I would say, right? Yeah. But the one important thing for people to do is really look at like the like the comparison. You sent out this, actually. This was another good thing that you sent out where you were showing like 
just you know a few years ago back in you know during the the pandemic how people would go in you'd price your home typically people were paying you know easily 20 to 50 sometimes more above asking price right so you look at what you're now bringing out of pocket versus what you would have been even with the interest rates and you do that comparison of what it's today, where now you're getting the asking price or maybe even a little bit below, right. you have sellers now contributing towards closing costs. Those are all things that, that people need to analyze and look at the real numbers instead of just focusing on just the interest rate. Yeah. Like when you start to piece that together, then you realize, wait a minute, financially, this still makes a, this is a good decision because I'm not coming out paying 50 grand over asking price. You know what I mean? Like right. there's so much to it. So I always encourage people like connect with the professional, work through the numbers, have clarity and, and understand what it means for you. And then from there, decide, you can make an informed decision. You're not like locked into anything. Right. It's more about just taking some time to understand and go, wait a minute. OK, we can do this. And I don't want to rent anymore. You know, I want to buy a home and it looks like I can. So this is great. Yep. Yeah, there's two costs to buying a house. There's the cost of the house itself, and then there's the cost to get financing for the house. Yep. I think you got to separate them, you know, because if you look now, okay, so, man, if we look at interest rates now, that's your cost, right, basically, is interest rates. Um, yeah, they're double where they were last year at this time. You know, last year at this time, they're at three. Now they're at, let's say, six and a quarter, right? So, okay, so my cost on that side of the coin is doubled, but what's my cost on the house side of things? Well, like you said... Now, if there's a list price out there, you could probably get the house under list price versus going twenty to thirty to fifty grand over. Yep. Right. And you can get the seller to pay your closing costs. Right. So yep. now you've won hugely on that side of the coin. Right. So you got to remember, it's kind of like a teeter totter. We had a, the lower the interest rates went, the higher that you had to pay for the price of the house. Right. Yep. So you know it's on this teeter totter. You're going to win in one side and lose on the other. That's typically how it goes. We're getting to more balance now where it was like, all right, I'm going to pay way more for this house than, like, than I probably should. But because interest rates are so low, I can afford it, right? So now we're kind of getting back to that equilibrium. Yep. You know, we're shifting back to this where almost like it's going to be like, man, now I can get a, I can get a, I can buy this house. Perfect example. I had a, a guy selling a house. So one of my clients is selling his house and he's buying a new house. He had his house listed at 450. He ended, ended up selling it at 430. And paying ten grand towards the buyer's closing costs, mm. so he nets four twenty on it. So four fifty list price, he netted four twenty on it. That buyer, if this deal would have went on in the spring, that four fifty house probably would have sold for four eighty or sold for four eighty. So four twenty versus four eighty, yep. sixty thousand dollars swing. Now, if you're the buyer in that scenario, you just saved yourself sixty thousand dollars in the price of the house. You're gonna have to deal with the slightly higher interest rate. For a little bit, but you can always refinance out of that when rates go down. Yep. Take advantage of lower rate. Yep. yep. So, yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, this is good information. You know, I, it's uh, I can't I can't push that enough. You know, one thing that we're really excited about at Credit Life too is that you know, I mean, we're very motivated in working with people that want to buy homes. You know, and so a lot of our programs are specifically geared towards that, helping get their credit there. But making sure that they, that their financial position is in the best spot as well. So like the financial well being, their credit, and then move forward for the home. So it's uh, really exciting stuff. Phone lines are open six five one six four seven two nine one zero. That is our call in line again six five one six four seven two nine one zero. The best question of the morning is going to win a pair of T Wolves tickets here. Uh, you can also text your question to six one two. 234-7585. Again, 
7585. And we did have a text question come in from Andy. Andy asks, Mike, do you think supply of homes on the market will increase this spring relative to the lack of supply we saw last spring? Um, will the supply go up? Uh, honestly, I don't, I don't think so. I think if you look at our supply and demand in real estate last spring, I think we're going to repeat that. And a lot of people are like, you're not going to have that type of demand this spring out there just because of where interest rates are at now. I completely disagree. We have a ton of buyers sitting on the sidelines, mm-hmm. right? A ton of buyers sitting on the sidelines. I do think that if you look at interest rates now versus where they're going to be at in the spring, I think they're going to be lower in the spring, right? I think it's very possible that we are talking about interest rates hanging around the high fives in the spring, you know, where right now we're in the low to mid sixes. So that's going to create, it's going to create a lot of demand. I think a lot of people are going to get off the fence and they're going to jump back into the market because that's typically what happens in the spring. So I'm predicting that we have about probably, we're probably sitting at about 9,000 listings right now, roughly. We're going to get all the way down to probably 6,500 listings or so in January and February. Um, now, remember, our lowest point that we ever hit was about 4,500 listings. Yep. Okay. But 6,500 is an ultra low number. We went into the spring market last year with about 7,000 listings. I think we're going to be at about 6,500 this year. We have just as many buyers that are going to want to buy this spring. I think it's going to be a repeat of last spring, unfortunately. I think you're going to have to pay over list price again going into the spring, just like mm. we saw. Because, the, again, so a lot of people are sitting on the sidelines. Soon as rates start with a five, everyone's yep. jumping back in the pool. Yeah, everyone's inventory going is back low, in demand is high. Yep. It's going to adjust to meet that demand. So, and, and we were talking earlier uh, earlier in the show here. Um, as far as demand goes, so what happens a lot is the average age of a first time home buyer is thirty three. So, what what a lot of people do is you look back at birth rates thirty three years ago, okay? And what were birth rates doing? Were they going up or were they going down? If we look thirty three years back, you know the birth rate was here. 32 years, it was here. 31 years, it was here. And 30 years ago, it's here. So the next four years, we have a ramp of birth rates going back 30 to 33 years like this, which means that over the next four years, we have that many more people entering that first-time homebuyer age, Yep. that many more people jumping in the pool. So obviously, that's looking over a four-year time span, but it's all starting basically now. And that's another reason why I think this spring is going to be a lot like last spring because the demand is going to be there. We always have buyers there year in and year out. Yeah. You know, and I think it just naturally too, like, you know, cause I think about myself, you know, as I've, as I've gotten older, you, you know, you get a little bit older, you have a family. The reality is when you're going through that, you don't want to rent anymore. It's very, I mean, you just don't, you want to have your own home. You want right. your own home. You're, it's just, this is just a part of life for most people. You know what I mean? Where it's like that this is just the, the, the course that they want to go. So if you think about that with the birth rates going up, you know, 30 to 33 years ago, whatever that was, they've gone up. Well, yeah, there's going to be an increased amount of people that are into that age group. They're going to want to buy a home. They're moving on in their life. They have a family now. Like there's so much going on. So that demand's going to be there. And like you said, too, if the interest rates do drop a little bit, too, by spring as well, I mean, that's definitely going to be enticing for a lot of people yep. to jump back in and get after it and then dependent on the inventory. If the inventory is still low, then yeah, I mean, the demand's going to be high, inventory low, we'll see that flip again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the natural life cycle. You hit your 30s and you think, man, it would be really great to own my own place finally. Yep. 
And then you do that for a little while and you realize that it's awful. And then you're like, retirement. I'm buying a townhome. Yeah, it's then the you perfect downsize. split. Yeah, yeah then you downsize. I, so you want a simpler life. I don't. I don't want to do yard work. <laughs> I want someone else to do my yard work. Townhome. Yep. Yep. That's that's spot on. That's exactly how it goes. So, question for you guys. So, do you guys like shoveling snow stuff like that? Um, sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. You, Evan, define like. <laughs> do you mean do I enjoy it like as a legitimate thing that I look forward to? I, obviously, you're probably like, you know what? If I had the choice of, you know, doing something else or shoveling yeah. snow, you're probably going to pick something else. Yep. Right. But I kind of like shoveling snow, to be honest with you, because I could just put the headphones in and kind of yep. check out for a little bit. It's a workout. Yeah. It's nice. Get a little exercise. Yep. You know, feel you're getting something done. <laughs> I see Evan's face over there is like, see, I'm one of those people too. I like to see my progress. Yep. You know what I mean? So, you know, you you got this driveway and you're shoveling it off and you're, it's like, it's a satisfying deal, right? I can see my progress. I get it all taken care of. No? And then you uh, get it shoveled no. into one area for your kids to make a fort in, a snow yes. fort. And yes. You know what I mean? Like, that's also fun, too, getting all prepped for them where, where you know when they wake up, it's like, yeah, let's get out there. Yeah. Um, the Like, the best thing that's happened to me in my whole life was when Robinsdale put in a bike path on my... In, in my front, and they said, because we're taking up more of your yard, you don't have to shovel this. This is now the city's responsibility. I was like, oh my god, I don't have to shovel my sidewalk ever again. They're sold. You can you can have you can have the you know 150 square feet of my yard that you took up to make you know because it's basically double width from where right. a sidewalk would be. But yep. they're like, yeah, we'll come through with the brush thing, and it's not your responsibility anymore. And I'm like, yes, yes. Amazing. Now now do the same thing in my alley. <laughs> well, I was, I was to say, did you put in a request to be like, yeah, do you want to just run that, make that go up and down my driveway a couple oh, times and then send it back out into the main path? I would. You just got to make friends with the driver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah see? Yeah. I, I think that brush thing would struggle with my driveway, but <laughs> it definitely, it takes a load off to be able to be like, you know what? I don't have to shovel right away because if it gets... Icy out there and stuff. The city has claimed that that's their responsibility. They come through, they take care of it, and they do. But it's like you know, I, I no longer feel bad because I'm not out there shoveling day one. That's the that's the real downside of shoveling. It's not the actual lifting of the shovel. It's the it has stopped snowing. It is time to begin shoveling right now, now, which is life in the city. If you don't have sidewalk, you know your driveway is your driveway. You can leave it for a day or two if you really want to, but for me, I don't have that choice. And you're probably in how often do you use the sidewalk? Probably never. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing, too. If you used it, you'd probably be may, maybe a different story there. But you're kind of like, oh, I'm shoveling this thing, and I literally never walk right there. Well, I mean, I'm doing my part. That's the idea. But then, you know, now I've done my part by giving up my sidewalk for a bike path. Yeah. And now the city takes care of it. And you're Sounds sold. like a fair trade. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy about it. Absolutely. Uh, phone lines are open, 651-647-2910. Text line, 612-234-7585. Uh, taking your questions live on air here. You can text or call in. And uh, the best question of the morning is going to win that pair of Timberwolves tickets. And you get your choice of games, too. That's the other thing. It's not like it's the next game or two games from now. You're going to have a block of a couple-week block there where you can choose which tickets you want to use. Even Very you know, cool. Even go down the road if you want a couple months down the road. That's fine, too. You can take your choice there. Again, call-in number is uh, 651-641-1110. Uh, 
647-2910. And the text line, 612-234-7585. Do we want to do hot listings? Sure. Let's load it up. All right, we are going to start in Shakopee. We have a uh, beautiful home here in Shakopee. Uh, I believe this is the biggest home we have in our hot listings. This one's at 2148 Kelly Circle in Shakopee, listed at $1.145 million. Uh, five bedroom, five bath, just over 7,000 finished square feet in this bad boy. Two and a half acre lot, built in 2003. Anything and everything that you would expect in a luxury home, this thing has it. And it's got the 7,000 square feet. If you need a social distance from your family, you can easily do that within the confines of your own house. Social distance from the whole world. Just, it's a great house. And it's a great lot, too. It's on a private cul-de-sac. There's probably maybe, you know, on this road leading down to the cul-de-sac, there's probably only like six or eight homes on it. So it's very private, two and a half acre lot. 2148 Kelly Circle and Shakopee, again, listed at uh, $1.145 million. Going to Minnetonka, got a newer listing here, 4627 Ellerdale Road in Minnetonka, listed at 975. Five bedroom, three bath, 4,500 square foot home. This one is built in 1958, but it's been uh, obviously updated and remodeled since then. Uh, 0.6 acre lot, so it's got a good sized lot as well. Again, this one is uh, 4627 Ellerdale Road. In Minnetonka, listed at nine hundred seventy-five thousand. Love this kitchen. Yeah, yeah, they did a nice job on a lot of that that house there. It is pretty spectacular. Going to the wilds here in Prior Lake. This one is back on the market. Three one one three Grouse Circle Northwest in Prior Lake, listed at four ninety-nine nine. It's a four-bedroom, four-bath home, thirty-one hundred seventy-two square feet, sitting on a half-acre lot built in two thousand four. Very good price point to get into the wilds here. So again, uh, $499.9 uh, is the list price. This one's at 3113 Grouse Circle Northwest in Prior Lake. Just your basic 3,000 square foot house. Right? <laughs> it's nice. Yep. And the wilds is a nice development. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like that. Nice and open. Got a bar in the wet bar in the basement there. Mm-hmm, Fridge, mm-hmm. full wet bar. Newer carpet. Yeah, they did a lot of cool stuff in that house. Heading over to St. Paul. Got a good opportunity there in St. Paul. This one's at 1647 Ames Avenue. Listed at 329000 Three bedroom, two bath. Just under 1,800 finished square feet. This one's built in 1,900. But again, does have some updates since then. Uh, again, three bedroom, two bath. 1,791 square feet. Listed at 329. That's at 1647 Ames Avenue in St. Paul. Heading over to Newport, another opportunity there. Newport, 1788 Hastings Avenue in Newport, Minnesota. Three bedroom, two bath, 1,680 finished square feet. This one is on a point zero, uh, 0.1 acre lot, built in 1942. Cute little home here. Fully redone inside. Fully redone. So, looks amazing. They did a really good job. Got the white trim, new flooring, new paint, new kitchen cabinets you name it pretty much everything was touched on the inside here good opportunity there if you're looking to be <laughs> excuse me if you're looking to be in Newport uh, good opportunity here at Hastings Avenue so again 1788 Hastings Avenue in Newport Minnesota 
All right. How Next one get, is The Hive. How do I get out of here? Oh, there we go. We got a business opportunity up in Aurora, Minnesota. We have The Hive. Uh, this is what? Coffee and bakery? Coffee shop and bakery? Cafe. The Hive Cafe and Bakery. So you get the business and the real estate here. This one's listed at 590000 Bakehouse. Bakehouse. So it's the Hive Cafe and Bakehouse here. Again, uh, you get the business and you get the real estate there. It's on a 0.2-acre lot right there on Main Street uh, in Aurora at 103 Main Street North. So if you've ever wanna, ever wanted to own your own um, cute little shop here, here's your opportunity. And it's turnkey. You can go yep. in there, buy it. It's turnkey. Everything is ready to go. It's again, rocking and rolling. Again, it's called the Hive uh, Coffee and Bakehouse up there in Aurora, Minnesota. Listed at 590000 We have a lot in Merrifield, Minnesota up on Upper Mission Lake. Listed at 139000 So the lot size is one and a half acres. So it's a nice size lot there. If you've ever wanted to uh, build a second home up on a lake uh, up north a little ways, um, this is a fantastic opportunity. So, again, it's a 1.5-acre lot up in Upper Mission Lake. That's up in Crow Wing County. Again, listed at 139000 Going over to Burnsville, we have a new custom home here. 13612 Sunset Hill Drive in Burnsville, Minnesota. Listed at $1.295 million. It's a four-bedroom, five-bath, 4,700-square-foot home. Built in 2020. It's on a half-acre lot. Anything and everything, again, that you would expect in a luxury home, this thing has it. Super cool on the inside if you're looking at the pictures there. It's got all the amenities. It's got all the upgrades. Super cool looking house. I could live there. Yeah. I'd live there. I agree. Look at that closet. Yeah, a walk-in closet in there. I mean, that's basically its own bedroom. (laughs) You could turn that into a bedroom if you wanted to. It's that big. It's very large. Yeah. Great home here again. It'd be sweet to have a closet like that, actually. Right? I, I, it's uh, it's kind of funny because you always think about like the wife always has the most, but in my case, my fiance Katie does. But I've been catching up, like I'm running out of space. This he's putting in the work. I've this, been putting in the work trying to catch up, and I'm like, wait a minute, I need more than one closet now. This is crazy. If it's if it's me, I'm using about maybe a quarter of that closet, and then the rest of it's my gaming room. Oh yeah. If my be. wife doesn't take it, yep. You know, a couple beanbag chairs. Set up a TV, the gaming in there. Yep. You know what I mean? That'd be See, funny. I was thinking that you'd just make it your secret weight room. Do that too. <laughs> just a just a you know, a bench and a squat rack, and that's all you really need. You know, then I put a little uh I put a little um maybe just run some plumbing up there and just get like a little little sink kitchen area. I wouldn't have to leave. <laughs> you can make your smoothies, you can work out, I can game, and then I can get ready for work. You yeah. put your little efficiency room. apartment, basically. Yep. Right off your house. So, Mike, uh, you got this 5,000-square-foot house. Why is everything in this closet? Yeah, no, this is... Here's here's the meta plan, right? So you build your little efficiency apartment, and then you can list your home on Airbnb. You can stay in the apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Make it have a secret door so that people don't know that you're there. Oh, yeah, now we're talking. This is more of a Halloween idea. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm thinking, like, it's got its own entrance off the roof. Right, it's got a little trap door. Oh yeah, you definitely need a you know secret I mean? exterior entrance. You just, yeah, <laughs> come on down in there. Again, okay. So we got we all should, the time. We should we start our own building building company and start making homes just like that. Yep. One three six one two Sunset Hill Drive in Burnsville. One point two nine five. Amazing home there. Uh, let's go to Addison Drive in Prior Lake. 
great opportunity here to own a house on a lake. This one is on Fish Lake. 775000 20755 Addison Drive in Prior Lake. Four bedroom, four bath, 4,000 square foot home. 2.6 acre lot. So you got 2.6 acres right on Fish Lake with a four bedroom, four bath, 4,000 square foot home. Finished uh, walkout basement level with a kitchen there. It's good stuff. Great opportunity. I'm sure the seller will leave the mannequin there if they want to. You can probably build that into the deal. Um, but this is a great house. I've actually been inside this house. It's a great house. It's a great house, and the lot is superb. And you get two and a half acres. That's right on the lake. It's amazing. Again, it's at 20755 Addison Drive in Prior Lake. It's on Fish Lake, listed at 775000 Let's go down to... Dundas. Let's go, go down to Dundas. So commercial, uh, uh, big, big acreage opportunity here, $4.75 million, 130.6 acres in Dundas. It's right off 35 uh, at the Dundas exit, just south of the Twin Cities here. Again, 130.6 acres, listed at $4.75 million. And then we have a string of Pebble Creek Custom Homes here. Let's just hit the first one. So... Spectacular home here, as you can see. Huge two-story home listed at $1.299 million. This is a to-be-built. This is at Quebec Place South in Savage. This one here is a five-bedroom, five-bath, 4,500 finished square foot home. Uh, it's a to-be-built, so you can customize it yourself. This is a full acre lot. So 0.95 acres, just under a full acre lot here at Quebec Place South. And you can see the type of home that you can build on it. Uh, absolutely amazing. Pebble Creek does it right. Again, anything and everything you would expect in a custom luxury home, this thing has it. Yeah, you know, just very basic finishings throughout. Right. Nothing nothing too crazy. Right. I mean, people walk into this thing and you get, you. I mean, their jaws drop. Yeah. Yeah, Pebble Creek makes some amazing houses. So again, uh, that one is at Quebec Place South and Savage. The one you see here to be built. But you can get this one for a, on a full acre lot for $1.299 million. So if you have any questions on any of these hot listings or... We had one more. We got one more? Yeah. The one that you sent an email Oh, about. sure, 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 sure. One second here. Yeah, we got another listing here. So this one here is at 19826 Iris Way in Lakeville. Brand new listing that just came on, uh, I believe, yesterday or the day before. 675000 so this one is a five bedroom, three and a half bathroom, 3,500 square foot finished home, uh, three car garage, built in 2017. It's a great house in Lakeville. It's a great location in Lakeville. Uh, not too far from Lake Marion there. Not too far from Lakeville South Schools. Uh, great opportunity and a great location here for a house in Lakeville at 675. And it's basically new construction, built uh. in 2017. The internet claims that there is also a open house today. Open house today on this, starting at noon. So the, again, that's uh, one nine eight two six Iris Way in Lakeville, and you can check out all these hot listings or more at our website minnesotahometalk.com. Let's see. Let's see. Phone lines open six five one six four seven two nine one zero. Text line is also open still six one two two three four. 7585. Uh, any questions dealing with mortgage, real estate, credit repair this morning, insurance, um, definitely send them in. 
Uh, we'll answer them live on air here, and uh, we'll get you in the running for those tickets. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about. Uh, let's go back to a little bit more about credit repair here. So let's. Um, we're talking about how we want to give some listeners some tips. What can they yeah. take home with them today? Yep. Right. That will help them uh, on their credit. So let's maybe just go through uh, like your your top two tips. If if you're going to do two things credit wise to help yourself, what's your two top tips? Uh, for sure, step one is uh, your uh, credit card management. Credit card management, I'd say, is one of the biggest areas that that a lot of people miss out on a lot of point potential, just because they don't understand how to manage them. Yep. You know, so the biggest thing to the, to understand is that if you're looking to improve your scores the most, like maybe you're looking to buy a home here in the future, maybe you're looking to buy a car, whatever it is that'd be credit related that you want to know you're going to buy here in the near future. One thing that you want to do is you want to pay down those credit cards. And there's a perfect number. Now, actually, I, I, you know the answer. I know the answer. But before you knew the answer, what was what would you say is the most common that you heard out there that people say how to manage your cards? What was like the most common saying? Uh, you got to use them. I know you got to use them, and you got to carry a balance on them. Yep, thirty percent is really popular. The thirty percent rule. I'd say it's probably the most popular out there. Is you got to use them, carry a balance. And they always say thirty percent, thirty percent rule. Well, here's the thing: the best ratio, meaning. The balance that reports specific to the limit to improve your scores the most is 3%. 3%. 3% of the limit. So if we're talking a $1,000 limit card, you're talking 30 bucks. Exactly. And this isn't what you pay it down to. That's another miscommon thing or common thing that people misinterpret. They think, oh, okay, so if I I get my bill, I pay it down to $30. No, what you want to do is in the course of that month, you only want to spend $30. That's it. You stop. You wait for that bill to report to get that billing statement, and then you go ahead and pay it off in full because the information on that statement is what reported to the bureaus. So that's how you got to control it. So you want three percent. That will improve your scores the most. But, but I'm missing out on all those points. So if you're telling me I can only charge thirty dollars a month on this one thousand dollar limit card, I'm missing out on points, miles, cash back. I mean, yep. I'm just not. I'm just not going to do that. Yeah, so, and then there's a way that you can tweak it. That's a great question. So if you're a little bit, and this is more for like, it depends on the type of client, you know, that we're coaching. Some people want to keep it really simple. They're not necessarily worried about the points. They're like, hey, I just want to do the best thing. I want to keep it simple. In that case, they would maybe just do like Netflix, Hulu on it, something around the $30, you know, and then they just pay it off in full every month. They're done, right? They just sit back and they know their scores are improving. Now, let's say you are someone's a little bit more savvy, right? They want to take advantage of points and miles and all the different things. Maybe you're a business owner, whatever it is. So then what you want to do is you want to pull up that statement, your most recent billing statement. And what you want to look for is a billing, you know, the billing cycle end date. Or the statement closing date. Those are the two key terms dependent on the, the type of credit card. Okay. So basically what you want to do is identify what that date is. Usually it's about three weeks before the due date. You know, it's around two to three weeks before the due date is when they actually put together your your billing your 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 billing statement, mailed it off to you, gave you time to make that payment on time, right? That's that's how it works. So what I say is five days before the billing cycle end date of that month. You want to pay it down, even if you have it maxed out, let's say, for all the points. As long as you pay it down multiple days in advance of that cycle end date, you can control the way it reports now. So you can still take advantage of your points, but then you pay it down to that 3%. Now you're taking advantage of your point potential as well. So your 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 credit points and your perk points. So, I and I think that's a misconception out there for a lot of people, is um, how that piece of it works. Yeah. Right? So... 
a lot of people think that when I pull a credit report, that that's the balance that you are showing on that card that day yep. or at that time, right? That's not the case. Exactly. When I pull a credit report on my end, the balance that's showing on the credit report that I pulled was the balance that showed on your last statement that came out, which could have been a week ago, could have been two weeks ago, three weeks ago, however long ago that was. Your last statement that came out, that balance that showed on that statement, that's what reported. That's what gonna, that's what's going to report on your credit report until the next statement yep. comes out. Exactly. And there's even a lag time between that. Because if you think about how data works, right? So like you have, let's Capital One, Discover, Chase, you know, City, all these different ones. So these cards, the way it works is they report to the credit bureaus, right? So you have Experian, Equifax, TransUnion. All they do is take in data every single day, nonstop. They tie it to your record and they basically sell that information for a fee. That's what they do. That's how they make their money. So if you think about your credit card and you get your statement, well, basically when they drafted that statement, that's when they shot that information up. Boom, it's going to go to the bureaus, but there is a little bit of a lag time there before it actually ends up on the report. So like every every creditor is a little bit different. A lot of times larger ones, it's faster. But like let's say you have a smaller card, you're building your credit, you have like a Merrick bank card or you have like a secured card or something like that. It's not uncommon for that information to have a lag time of 30 to 60 days. Dang. It could be that long. So it's important to understand that. That's why, like, if you think about it right now, let's say you're, let's say you're looking to improve your scores right now. You know, hey, I'm sitting at, maybe you're sitting at a poor credit standing. You're at fair. Maybe even you're still good. Maybe you're at 680, but you want to get to 720. And you're like, okay, I want to make some moves now to start popping this up. The best way to do it is what I just discussed. It's about your credit card management. 30% of your score is based on the revolving debt ratio. 30%. Yeah, a third. And so, and, and we just talked about the importance of timing of this is also very important because it takes time, right? So it's not about what you said. If you pay it down to 3% today and you went and applied for a loan today, it wouldn't reflect that. It's going to reflect what was previously reported on that statement right. and a little bit of a lag time there. So the information is going to be dated, you know, so it's important to know that. So if you start to make these tweaks now and start to tweak your management now in a matter of a few weeks to up to, let's say, 60 days... That's going to start to update finally on the credit report. Now you've taken control. Now you've boosted up your scores. So quick example of working with a guy. He had like three installment loans and only one credit card. Okay, His score was sitting at about a, about a 648 or something like that. Um, and this credit card was maxed out. So he only has one credit card. It was maxed out. Now he would charge everything on that card throughout the month to get the points. And then he would pay it off at the end, right? Yep. So he came to me, I pulled it. I'm like, oh, you know, here, here's the deal. Here's why your score is lower is because this card is showing that it's maxed out. I pay it off in full every single month. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's the very first thing he thought about. Yeah. Why would it be that I pay it off in full every month? Why does it show that it's maxed out there when I pay it down to zero every single month? Told him how it works. If you wait till your billing cycle comes out, it's too late, mm-hmm. right? Just because you pay that off in full right there, what's getting reported is that balance that shows on the billing statement. So I just taught him the trick. When does your billing statement come out? Make that full payment five days beforehand. That payment will clear. You'll have a zero balance. Now the zero balance will reporting. Literally, he did that next month. Score went up 81 points. Yep, it's massive. Like that's how much it can move yep. by making that one little change. Yep. And he does everything the same. He still charges all this stuff on that one card He just the changes the frequency now of when he makes a payment. He just changed his payment day when he made yeah. the payment. And that's all it took. Yeah. I know it's amazing. I mean, so that that to me is number one. Number two 
a lot of times people like what if you do if you look up information about credit you know they're talking about payment history payment history 35% of the score make your payments on time well I should say it, I would say that's probably a given people probably know they should make their payments on time so that's not going to be my tip number 2 okay my tip number 2 is about having a credit mix just like you talked about you need to have multiple accounts, different types of accounts being managed correctly. When you have like a more diverse portfolio, let's say, like within your credit report, your scores will go up. You know, because lenders, if you think about it, when you're applying for a loan, what is it that you want? You want money. We just want them to make the payment. Yeah, you want them to make the payment. The, the consumer, the person applying wants more money, right? So ultimately what we're doing is we're showing the ability to make payments on time and show the ability, like when you have multiple different types of accounts, we have more bankability, more credibility. It's like, well, I feel now comfortable as a bank to lend you money because you have multiple accounts all in good standing. Right. You have different types of accounts all in good standing. I feel comfortable lending you money because you appear to be someone that'll pay me back on time. That's really how this all works, yep. right? Yep. So having a credit mix is huge, especially like what you talked about. If you were to only have, let's say, one credit card and three installment accounts, you're missing out on that mix, which is why there could be such heavy swings. And then they're also mi- missing out on some potential points over time by not having a, an appropriate mix. So, mm-hmm. like, so everyone, write this down that's listening, you know, unless you're driving, then go back and watch on demand and then write it down. But what you want to do is you want to have at least between one to two active installment accounts. So, like an auto loan, student loan, could be like a credit building CD account. Those are really popular now. Something that it's basically something that you take a loan out and you have a fixed term to pay it back over time. And if you own a house already, your mortgage is an installment account. Exactly. So you already yep. have that on there. And that's a top tier installment account. So that's a really important one if you have that, which is awesome. So you want one to two or more, but one to two, I'd say, is like a baseline. And then realistically, you want to have at least three active revolving accounts. So three credit cards. If you could have at least three. Three to five is like a nice little sweet spot for most people. Yep. Then, and you do exactly what we talked about in the beginning. If you start to manage those correctly by having that three percent reporting, I mean, what you the potential point that you can have like to improve your score is massive. But here's the most important piece to me: is you've now built a credit profile that is very it's viewed in a very good way by lenders. You're really putting your best foot forward when you build it up that way. Yep. And we were talking about. One of our topics for the show, or the topic for the show, is how to get the best interest rate in your home. Yep. Credit score is a huge indicator of what type of interest rate you're going to get. Yep. Every sort of interest rate that you see advertised out there is based on top tier credit. Yep. If your credit score is underneath that, interest rate's higher. going up. Yep, exactly. You know, so um, no, that's a great point. So a lot of people, I had one person come to me the other day, so I'm just going through here. Had six open credit cards, and a couple of them were just store accounts, right? I got a, I got a small... Um, Macy's card that I opened up a few years ago and I got this that she's like I really only use one card so I'm just going to pay off the balances on those other ones and cancel them because I don't want that additional credit hanging out there because it looks bad that I could get in trouble that I can charge all that up mm-hmm. and I was like no 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 it's like no stop <laughs> I'm like look at look at all the history you've had on there yeah perfect payment history no late payments on six different cards I said as soon as you close those cards all that history goes away. Yep. I said, your score Scores is going to go down. It's going to plummet. So I said, that's completely fine. Pay them down to zero. Don't use them. That's fine. Leave them open. Eventually, they're either going to close due to inactivity or they're going to say, hey, you need to use this card. Otherwise, we're going to close it. They'll give you a little heads up. At that point, go buy a pair of socks. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Use it. Buy a pair of socks. Pay it off right away. Boom, you're good to go. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really solid point, too. Like, for people out there, if you do have multiple accounts, let's say you have multiple, like, you know, universal credit cards and you have some store cards that are more specific to the, you know, the store that you're going to, you know, that's that's not an uncommon thought that people have is, like, they've built up and they have multiple accounts and they know they're going to apply for, let's say, like a mortgage. You know, it's not uncommon for them to think, like, well, I don't want to show that I have too many, and it might show that there's risk because I have all this available credit that I'm not using. So that's what their mind is thinking. Like, if I show that I have all this available credit, that should be a risk to them because that means I could not only get this loan from you and now charge and max all this out, right? And that's not how they look at it. The bank is looking at it going, hey, wait a minute. If you show all this good positive history, all this wonderful length of credit history, and then on top of that, you have low balances, you're actually someone the lender yeah. wants to work with. You have the ability to go put yourself in trouble and, and you choose max not to. out a bunch of cards, but you have chosen not to. Exactly. exactly. So it's about it's about habits, right? You talk about this a lot. Your credit report is an indication of your of your financial habits, right? Yep. Yep. So that's what they're really what they're looking at. It's a very advanced algorithm. That's why it's it's another thing too. Like anyone that's gone through this, if you've gone through a financial struggle in your life. And you've started to get your, you know, your credit card balances are going up a little bit and your, your, your habits are changing. What happens a lot of times is credit card companies will reduce the credit limits. And I've had so many clients reach out to me going, well, why would they do that? I've had this card for years. I've, I've never been late. Well, the reason why is that the algorithm is so advanced that they are the, these credit card companies will ping and they'll look for risk mitigation. If your financial habits seem to change showing risk, it's not uncommon for them to lower the limit so they can reduce their risk. Right. You know, so that's how advanced this really is. So people need to understand, like, the tips that we're giving you right now are more general and very positive. If you're not doing these two tips that we talked about, you should do them now. But you have to understand that the FICO algorithm on top of, like, and there's many variations, is extremely advanced. And it's really looking at indication of your financial habits and how you manage debt. That's what it's looking at. So, like, once again, if you can show that positive length of credit history, multiple accounts open in good standing, that's a very good thing for you because now you're putting yourself in the best position for lending. Evan, can we talk a little bit about insurance? Sure. Okay, so we've been talking about this. So we talked about how your credit score will affect interest rates. We mentioned that your credit score then will also affect insurance. Like, what type like t- what type of swing are we talking about if you're talking about Hey, I'm in a, you know, let's just say I got a, I got a 640 credit score versus a 780 credit score. Depends on the carrier, as always. But some carriers, it can be a humongous swing. Um, I have seen uh, when I run reports on someone and they have poor credit, their rate go up by 30 or 40 percent. Dang. Yeah, it can be a humongous difference. Um, and that I, I've talked about this before on the show. What it really comes down to is if you have a lower credit score, um, they figure you have less liquid assets, and so you are more likely to make a claim, a mid-size claim. Everyone's going to file a claim if their house burns down. So that's just based on the statistics of the area. No one is going to be like, well, I can afford to rebuild this house. Yeah, I don't but, want my premium to go up, so I'm not going to file a claim on my house that completely burned down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The ground, that million-dollar right? claim, well, you know. No, it's it's those like $10,000 claims where they think, you know, oh, my washing machine uh, leaked water all over the basement or whatever. Those sorts of things that fall into that category of is it worth filing a claim? Maybe, maybe not. Because, you know, I'm going to be paying higher rates for the next three or four or five years. 
Um, but if you have poor credit, they're relying on the fact that you probably have less credit to rely on or liquid assets. So the choice is going to be much more straightforward. I don't have a choice. I don't have the 10 or 15 grand to carry this right now. So I'm just going to file the claim and I will pay the higher rates. Yeah, I lose my claims free discount and all that stuff. No big deal. That's what insurance is for. And to be clear, I agree. But the companies know this, and they will price that into the rating. So I think yeah. a lot of people think the reason why they pull credit is, is because they just want to they want to see if I'm going to actually make the payment on insurance or pay my insurance company the premium when it's due. No, but that's not the case. It's more of is this person more apt to file a claim or not? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just it. Is insurance is different than than loans in this regard because uh, ultimately speaking, if you don't pay the insurance company. That's no skin off their backs. You know, that's between you and your loan company and stuff. Uh, you know, you don't want to have insurance on your house. That's fine. That's fine. You'll yeah. be okay. Uh, you know, like, they, that's just it. Is it's If you're not paying your premiums, then it's not their problem anymore. Um, yes, obviously they would like to have a nice stable interest pool and so on. But, uh, you know, there are plenty of people who do struggle to make insurance payments on time and so on, and they will pester you. They, they have legal obligations to you as a, as a customer and a client. But ultimately speaking, if you don't have a policy at the time of a loss, it is not their problem. It is your problem. And so all, all those things lead up to the fact that what they're really interested in is how likely are you going to have a claim, like something that is going to happen, and how likely are you to file claim on that loss. Those two things are all they really care about. I mean, it's data, yep. data and stats. Yep. Probability. Yep. There's a lot of math going on in the back of all this stuff. Yes, indeed. Ooh. Right? That's I the like end of our show here, folks. We appreciate you show. listening here. We're here every Saturday from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Answering your questions live on air. Anything dealing with mortgages, real estate, and credit repair. We appreciate you turning in, uh, tuning in. We're going to be here next week as well. Um, So we hope you tune in and listen to us at that point. We wish everyone a great weekend. Enjoy the cooler weather we got going on. And uh, we'll see you next week. This has been a paid program. The views expressed were not necessarily those of the management or ownership of KSTPAM 1500 ESPN.